Attention, please. Places for top of show. Places for top of show. Hello, and welcome to Twins Talk Theater. We are Cindy and Stacy, and we're talking about theater, backstage life, and all the excitement that the audience doesn't get to see. Enjoy the show. Welcome to this week's podcast. This week, we are interviewing somebody that I've wanted to interview for a while, but I was putting it off until she got closer to the end of her MFA program. So this week is Danielle Reno, who I met, it seems like 10 years ago, but it's really only been four. We did Bohem together at Opera Naples in October, November, 2014. Uh, Danielle is also, she, what I love about her is she stage manages both theater and musical theater and opera. So she started stage managing at Theater Zone, which is down in Naples in 2010. She's now the production manager there. She's been at Castleton, Brevard, Roanoke, Tri-Cities, Grand Rapids. Uh, this coming summer, she's going to uh, Morella, I think it is? Morelia. Morelia, Mexico, to do fall staff, which is super awesome. Um, and then Opera Columbus next season for Barbara Seville, which I'm jealous of after we've talked to all the people over at Opera Columbus. Um, but two years ago, she decided to go back to school to get her master's degree in stage management from Mason Grove School of the Art at Rutgers. And I have to say, it was it was sad for many of us in the opera world because then Danielle was at a commission as a stage manager for a couple of years. So we're all excited that she's graduating and can come back to the opera world. Um, so yeah, that's how I know Danielle. And I think she's the stage manager, in my opinion, that's most like me, maybe because she has opera experience and theater experience. So she's just like this really awesome person to work with and to hang out with. And she's married to it to Tia, the lighting designer that we talked to a few weeks ago. So that was a very random welcome, but welcome, Danielle. Thank you for joining us this week. Thanks for having podcast. me. I'm so excited. <laughs> so to start, how can you tell us how you got into theater? Because I know you didn't start out as a stage manager because I'm always seeing videos of you dancing. <laughs> so how, how did you get into theater? And then how did you get into doing uh, opera stage management. Yeah. So I, uh, stumbled into theater at a very young age. Um, I was in elementary school and I always wanted to be an actor just cause I wanted to go to a fancy award show and, and dress up. Uh, yeah. And so, um, in West Palm beach, Florida, I got into Dreyfus school of the arts and I did acting for the four years that I was there. And I auditioned for colleges to act, you know, also as an actor. And I got into a few schools. And then I had some weird turn of events where I didn't want to do theater anymore. And I decided to go to school for public relations communications at Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers. And that didn't last long because before the end of my first semester, I ended up picking up my theater major again. <laughs> But that was when I started doing um, technical theater. I think the first thing I did was I worked backstage because I was bored. And then <laughs> I was a lightboard op and I stage managed my first official show. I did one at Dreyfus in high school, but at that point, it wasn't even on my mind to stage manage. Mm -hmm. um, but I did my first show. It was a device piece called Performance Constellations. And that was my sophomore year. Uh, no, that was the end of my freshman year. And then sophomore year, I went to USITT and I was working the conference. So my fee was waived. 
And I remember I was walking the floor and I stopped at the Shakespeare Theater in New Jersey booth because it was pretty. <laughs> and I ended up um, interviewing there and I got my first internship in 2010 at there. And it was 12 very intensive weeks. I did Arms in the Man. I did um, Coralanus. We did late night. Uh, performances so we'd be we'd have 10 out of 12 rehearsal days and then we would go and do a performance or rehearsal in the evening until midnight Um, and then I remember at the end of that there was a there were some of the actors came and talked to us about actors equity and a few of the stage managers and if I made it through I made it through those 12 weeks and I didn't die and I still enjoyed doing it and so it was after that I said okay this is what I want to work towards and then I came back that fall and Mark Danny, who's the artistic director at Theater Zone, asked me if I'd be interested in doing, they needed um, a calling stage manager for the second week of performances of Blood Wedding. Um, and he said, he asked me if I'd be interested in it. And he's also offered me um, No No Nanette, which was that December. So my first equity show was No No Nanette. Um, I also found out that you, you were still in, you were still in, still in school. Yep. So I came back for my junior year and I met with my advisor and she told me that I could potentially graduate early. So I, um, my last semester there, I took 30 credits. <laughs> oh my I God. I think the it. most I did was like 18 to 21. <laughs> yeah, I remember my freshman year, they said, don't do a lot, do 12, because, you know, you don't want to overwork yourself. And I was so bored. <laughs> and so I just kept adding classes every semester after that. So I went from I went from 12 to 18 to 21 to 24 <laughs> to 30. <laughs> You're like, and, I'm going to get it done with it. Just get it done with. And every time I said that to anybody, they, they thought I was joking because they didn't think that it was possible for anybody to do that course we always like I did 21 credits I think which was the most I could do but then I was still working um the you know work study class at the theater and then volunteering my extra time at the theater still doing stuff and I think I still spent most weekends at home and was working at the uh musical theater club on campus so yeah like I wasn't getting credit or paid for a lot of things but I was still like working full-time and doing 18 units or 21 units. So yeah, 30 units. Like if you're not working full time. Yeah, you're used to but working. The thing, I was working. The thing is, so I started working at Theater Zone. My la- So this was my last semester. And I started doing No, 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 That was my first <laughs> equity show. And I ASM'd. And so I was doing that. But I was also doing shows at FGCU. And um, and then Blood Wedding was Blood Wedding. No, um, Blood Brothers. Sorry, I did Blood Wedding mm. last year. <laughs> Blood okay. Brother, yeah, was I did that the following right after. So I don't know how I existed or how I'm still alive. I look back now and I'm like, I don't know how I did it all, but you know, taking all of those classes, plus like independent studies, plus working at Theater Zone, plus working at the school, and yeah, and so Mark, the I met Mark Danny. Um, he came that first, my fall semester of my last year, he came and did Our Town and I stage managed and he asked me if I'd be interested in, um, you know, if I was interested in working any backstage uh, calls for his theater company. And at the time, um, 
you know, it wasn't even on my mind. And then afterwards when he said, hey, we need an ASM for this show. Would you be available? Uh, that's when I really started to get involved there. So I was I that one theater zone or the other place? I'm sorry. Mark Danny, he was from Theater Zone? Yeah, Mark Danny, he's the artistic director at Theater Zone. Oh, okay. But he was the guest director at the school for, and he did Our Town. So that's how we met. Um, and then I graduated and I just started working. Um, that was my, I did my next full season there. And I remember the, how I got into opera. Um, he knew the artistic director, Stephanie Pierce, which I don't think she was there when you came. No, I, she, that was like, I, I showed up right after the split. So it's a name that I heard a lot and a name that like, I've talked to her a few times when I was at Tri-Cities Opera, but I've never actually met Stephanie. Yeah, so they were looking for um, somebody to organize their props. And I needed some extra, I was looking for some extra hours or something to fill my time. And so I did it. And then um, this had to have been near the end of their season because they needed a stage manager for their semi-staged um, Eugene Onegin. And I said yes. And I had no idea what I was getting myself into. But I just said <laughs> yes because it was a job. <laughs> so my first, my first opera was in Russian. And it was Eugene Onegin. And I had way to start. Yeah. But um, I just remember, and I went into it just thinking that it was stage managing like any other musical theater. And I was really wrong, but it was fine. We, we made it through. It was also my first, um, because it was at the Philharmonic, which was then turned into artist Naples, uh, when you came. Mm -hmm. And it was also my first, um, IATSE crew that I worked with. And so I remember I went to go try to touch something and I got, yeah, I didn't get yelled at because those guys are really nice, but they're I, really nice. Yeah. They're probably the nicest IATSE crew that I've ever worked with. <laughs> but you got scolded for it because you weren't supposed to do that. They just said, they were like, we'll do it. And I said, no, it's okay. And then they said, no, 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 it's fine. We got it. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, really don't touch it. Yeah. So, but then, and then after that, I just started doing their season and my next full opera was Tosca I did Tosca um it was Tosca a Midsummer Night's Dream and um Elijah I think was my second season full season there and then the stage manager who I did Tosca with Sherry D she was the production stage manager at the Castleton Festival and she, so that we did that before Christmas, after Christmas, I was back in Naples and I was doing Grand Hotel at Theater Zone. And she texted me and asked me if I had anything scheduled for the summer. And I said that I didn't. And she said, well, if you're interested, um, you know, send your resume over to Casey Smith, who is the production manager. And because they're still looking for an ASM for the summer. So I sent my stuff over and I ended up going there that summer and I did Otello. And then it just kept happening and I just kept doing opera. And that's, that's exactly <laughs> how I feel about opera. I, I got hired at one place and then I got hired at a second place. And now it's been like eight years and that's what I do is opera because that's. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if you asked me. 10 years ago when I first started stage managing, if I'd ever 
saw myself doing opera, I probably would have laughed in your face. <laughs> so do do you read music? I do. Um, I read music enough to be able to call from the score. <laughs> I wish I could do more with it. I wish I could play, um, but I can't. So I I know enough to get myself through through an opera. And I can find, like, I can, you know, if you say, hey, where are we? I can, I can tell you where we are in a score. But that's to the extent of my music reading skills. Yeah, that's still probably farther than me. I stopped music reading like in high school and Cindy kept going with it. So I can follow notes like they go up and down and I know what a quarter note is. But when Cindy starts referring to music terms and whatever it writes on the top in Italian or whatever, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it's past yeah. me. Well, I also self-taught myself a lot. And I one thing I learned about myself is I'm really good at faking it until I make it. <laughs> yes, that's so true in so much theater. I'm a really good faker. So when I remember when I did my internship, um, you know, I probably was one of the least experienced stage managers there, but uh, nobody knew it. <laughs> and nobody will know it until they hear this. <laughs> but it's been years past though, so no one will know. It's all okay. Yeah. They said, oh, you know, this run sheet and this and that. I said, yeah, I've done that before too. And then I would go home and I would research it or I would look for it and, you know, put it together. <laughs> yeah, I've had this this whole time. <laughs> That's pretty funny. When you do musicals, do you do it off of the music as well, or do you do it all off of libretto when you're at theater zone? No, I do it all off of a score, and it kind yeah. of frightens me to do it off a of libretto. It yeah, it scares me when people talk about that, and I'm like, just just learn to read music. Like it's it's not that difficult. No, well, even following, even just following along. I mean, you can follow along. You don't need to be able to read it to be able to follow. That's that's right. how well, I yeah. feel too. Like you don't need to like look at this note and say, oh, that's a B sharp. You just need to be like, oh, this is where they're at in the music because it's going up and down and this is the baritone singing and whatnot. Right. Well, that's that's how I feel. That's why I think it's so ridiculous that people don't do that because it's, you know, like you said, you don't need to know exactly what notes it is or like what the chord progression is. You just need to follow it. So, so one of the things that they they were teaching us or talking about here um, at Rutgers is how to do beat sheets. Have you ever seen those before? I've never heard of that. So what they do so from a lot of musical theater stage managers, and I had no idea, I just figured if you call a musical, you know how to like follow along in music. Apparently that's not the case. So beat sheets is pretty much, they take the libretto and you just count it out in eights. Yeah. And I, I, I've seen people do that, but I do so many new operas and new works where they're not, there's not four, four. Yeah. But also, you know how I don't, the way that you count is not the same that I count. Right. Plus, yes. what if they hold out the last note for eight beats? If you're not looking at the music, how do you know? You just have to count it. Also, I don't understand how you can count in your head and then call numbers at the same time, too. That just seems a little difficult to me. Yeah. So yeah, this, I'd be calling whatever number I'm counting on. Yeah. And so when they were teaching, they were showing us how to do this. It freaked me out because I, I don't know. It's just I feel like music is a security blanket. Mm -hmm. you have something to look at whereas if you have the words you don't really have anything to look at and then what do you do when there's music mm -hmm. in between mm -hmm. yeah or like a dance number yeah. yeah you have to count it out yeah I've seen I've seen sheets that where was it when I when I saw this happen but where they literally <clears throat> had like it was all typed out but it was just one through the eight one through eight one through eight over and over and over again 
and they were writing blocking on that. And I was like, what is this? And they're like, well, this is when the dance part happens. And I was like, you know, it's a lot easier if you just read music as opposed to trying to figure out what, you know, you're on the 24th, eight or the 25th count of eight. So beat sheets though, I've never heard of that. That's really interesting. Yeah, for like dance, dance numbers or. Well, when I called dance, cause that's something that I, I've, I've never done until I came here and I actually really enjoy working dance as well. Um, it's a whole nother monster. Mm-hmm. I, the way that I called dance is all is off of my visual cues. And I had mm-hmm. a timer, a stopwatch. Right. Yeah. That's what I've heard of. Because the music from, I mean, and it only works sometimes. Cause I remember I did a piece that started without the music. So the time you know, on the stopwatch was a little bit off depending on how fast or slow they went. You know, if they were, they were off by two or three counts than what they usually are. Like that's never the same, but between, between a stopwatch and between visually seeing it and knowing what you're calling off of, um, it's easy, but it's to some people, it's not dance and dance is another thing that scares a lot of people. I, I enjoy it because you come in at the end, you come in at tech you watch the numbers, you know, they space it once you with, you're sitting with the lighting designer, they tell you what to look for. And then you just go. I've never actually done dance. I kind of did something like that in grad school. They brought me in to do like one thing and it was like three numbers, but they actually had music for me to go off of. But I was, I was with a lighting designer this morning and I, I just mentioned that I was like, yeah, I've never done dance. And he was like, I find that hard to believe. I was like, what that, it's just never come up. It's not that I don't want to do dance. I've just like, haven't been offered to do possibility to do dance. Yeah. But again, the, the people, the stage managers I know who do dance and I don't know a wide variety, but the people who came through the Norris to do the Nutcracker, um, were like dancers themselves so they knew like okay when they do this plie or whatever uh the light cue goes so they like have a background in dance i know well alex who we talked to um she has a background in dance though yeah she has a background in dance and she loves stage managing dance but like you said she knows all the terminology and like knows a lot of the the dance stuff whereas i don't have any background in dance so i don't know if that would make it harder or not or yeah, like I will say, I will say having a, having a lot of musical theater background helped with that. And so I knew what some of the terms were, but, and even if I didn't know what it was called, I knew what I was looking for. Like if somebody set, said it like, oh, you're looking for this in this movement, I knew at least what it looked like. So I feel like between, I don't know what the order of, of to do it is but I feel like in order to stay fully employed <laughs> which is what you know getting into opera has done before I came mm-hmm. back to school I was fully um able to support myself on just stage managing alone without having to take up any side gigs mm-hmm. and that was because I b- between opera and and theater I was able to round out my my year and I worked almost all I think um 11 and a half months out of the year that's awesome. I know that's more than I work, but uh, I just married well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good job, Joe. That's, that's what I say. I mean, my last couple gigs have been like small things or, you know, non-opera related. So I think it's, I just think it helps to like step away from opera every now and then or to step away from musical theater and go back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it also makes you appreciate it. Yeah, exactly. You're so different. 
McFarland, Cindy had the, her husband wanted her to stay home and she had surgery on her foot. So that, you know, (laughs) she can't really work right now due to the fact that she's just starting to walk after seven weeks, more than 20 minutes. I know. Do you know now I can gauge my, I can gauge, I gauge things off of Cindy. How long you've been in the boot? (laughs) (laughs) Which time? She goes back and forth so often. Well, I know because what was it was when we did hydrogen jukebox and you weren't in the boot and it was just so weird to yeah. me because I saw you for two straight months. <laughs> With the boot, yeah. <laughs> Danielle's like, I'm not used to this. I was like, when you first met me, I didn't have a boot on. She was like, yeah, but here you should have a boot on. I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> but we, oh, yeah, no, I don't have a boot on. I have like normal shoes on today. Kind of. I just wrote that in my note. Judges twin by time in boot. <laughs> It's it's probably very true. Yeah. Yeah. So what what made you go and I know I've asked I know the kind of the answer to this question, but so you've been working professionally, you have your equity card, you have your Agma card, you worked eleven and a half months straight, making a living for yourself in theater. So why did you decide to go back to school to get your master's degree? So I have been hemming and hawing over going back to school for a couple years now. Um, one of the reasons is I just really enjoy school. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I, you know what? I started mentoring, um, maybe two years out of, uh, after I graduated from my undergrad, two or three years, and I really enjoyed it. And what I loved about it most was being able to share the things that I always wish that I was told mm-hmm. or, you know, the, the little quirky things that you sort of only will learn once you're on the job, but you'll never learn mm-hmm. it in the classroom or by somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I was in, so it was two years ago, I was in Seattle and, uh, Christine Whalen, who I worked with at STNJ contacted me and asked me if I'd be interested in talking to her class about opera stage management. Because at Rutgers, what they do is they'll, the stage managers will go out and they'll do, they do obviously the stuff in the theater department, but they also do dance and they do opera, but they never really had anybody to sort of guide the stage managers for Hmm. opera. And so I said, yeah, I would be interested in coming. And then that led into hey, what is your MFA program like? And do you offer one? And how long is it? And one thing just led to another. And she put me in touch with Leslie, who's the head of stage management. And we chatted for a little bit. And what I really appreciated about that talk was, she's like, you know, I don't want you to come here and waste your time. (laughs) You know, I want you to get something out of this. So um, I, jumping forward to the new year, so that was before Christmas. So after the new year, I was doing... I was probably in my seventh season at Theater Zone. I had just closed George M. I had done Amadeus, and we were on a break uh, before the second week. And I flew up to New Jersey, and I ended up doing the class in person. Originally, it was going to be over Skype, and which was actually really cool because I got to meet a lot of the students who I ended up um, sharing classes with. And so I gave my talk. I then interviewed one of the students to come be my ASM at Brevard. Nice. <laughs> who I had been in contact, who I've been in contact with before uh, Christmas. Christine put me in contact with her because she was stage managing her first opera. And she was like, hey, do you mind 
if I put you in contact with one of my students? And I was like, sure. And so we were talking and she, funny enough, because the opera world is so small. Oh, uh, tiny. She ended up doing the, I can't remember what opera it was, but um, Katora came out and did it. You've worked with Katora, right? Yeah, wasn't Katora Butterfly? Butterfly. Opera Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. So she came out and she and she did the opera with her. And Jackie then emailed me later on and she was like, hey, my director knows you. And she said that you guys know each other and da 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 da. So I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> she was like, I'm working with Katora. And she had mentioned to Katora, I was like, hey, this girl named Danielle Rano is helping me, um, you know, is guiding me through <laughs> this process. And so. I ended up coming out and, and, and I asked her, I said, Hey, what are you doing this summer? Cause I was then looking for, I always try to um, staff my stage management team at the beginning of the year for the summer. Cause then that gives me time in case somebody drops out. <laughs> that's that's so funny because like I'm starting the process right now to try to staff for the summer, but I don't know numbers yet. So I'm like, but I need to hire people soon. We're going to lose everybody. Yeah. So I came out, I did my class, I interviewed, I hired an ASM and then I was interviewed for this. <laughs> it was a very productive trip. It was a very productive trip and it was all on Valentine's Day. Ah, <laughs> oh, significant and, others love that. I don't think Twin's been home for a Valentine's Day in years. I, I, I might have been home this past Valentine's Day, but that's like the first time in eight years. <laughs> yeah. And so we we talked and we really talked about like if I did come into this program, like what could we accomplish like what would I get the most out of it because I'm sort of stopping my life you know that's been going for seven and a half years Mm -hmm. to go back to school and so my big thing that I wanted to get out of it was a I wanted an MFA I wanted the master's degree because my plan was down the line if I ever decide to settle down in one place which I don't foresee that happening anytime soon but if I do I would like the option to teach because I do really enjoy it. That's and, the exact, I, the, almost exactly why I did it, why and, I got my master's degree. And I know a lot of places, you know, is will take you based on experience and how much you've worked. But, you know, what I, in my mind, I was like, you know, I have no idea where I'm going to end up. Not a lot of places will do that. Not a lot of universities, you know, if you're a university versus a conservatory, mm-hmm. um, I don't want the fact that I don't have a degree holding me back from doing like whatever the next step in my path is. Mm-hmm. So I wanted that, but then I also really wanted to take, um, to educate myself more in different elements of design because, yeah. you know, for stage management, you have to be able to speak, you know, so many different languages because you have yes. to, you know, you're sort of the, the middle man that needs to communicate to your sound designer, your projections designer, your lighting designer, back to your director, to your costume designer, um, to your choreographer. And I felt like the only way to better myself is to, to learn more of their worlds. So I was like, you know, I had some lighting experience. I knew a little bit in sound, but not a lot. I said, so I really want to take more sound classes. I want to take a drafting class. I want to take a lighting class. So, so far I've like checked all of those off. I'm taking drafting in the springtime. Um, drafting was one of my favorites. I loved it. Yeah. So, I mean, there was that. And then that's when the whole like I first idea of a potential like book treatment came up because I had mentioned something. I said, you know, there are all these books 
for how to stage manage <laughs> and like intros and basics, but there's never really one for opera stage management. Yeah, there's none that it I know of. It doesn't exist. And, you know, not a lot of places, not a lot of conservatories and schools really provide classes in opera stage management, like how to do it, because there are some differences. I mean, the bases, the basic foundation is the same, but you know, the paperwork's different, the people's different, the tradition's different. Um, and that really sparked their, their minds. And so last year, so it's originally a two and a half year program. I'm getting out in two years. I'll be done in May instead of next December. Be, to keep with my like graduating early. Yeah. Um, I mean, why, why, why ruin it, gotta it now? Keep with it. Yeah, yeah, I got to I got to keep up with that. Um, so this past semester, I did an independent study and we put together um, a syllabus for a class that I would teach on um, the beginner, the basics of opera stage management. Which is an awesome syllabus. She sent it to me and I kind of want to just go like audit the class so I can take it. So if yeah, I'm in New Jersey I, a lot next semester that you guys know why. <laughs> you know I was really because a lot of and a lot of the stage management classes you know the the main project that you always do is putting together a production book and everybody hates it because putting together a theoretical production book is even more so difficult, difficult than stage managing an actual show yeah yeah so um so that so I would obviously have a project similar to that but I think what would bring it more to life is and I'm planning to sort of start it this summer is, um, you know, get some video of, you know, let's say a first rehearsal and then a project mm -hmm. that would have to come off of that is, you know, watch the first rehearsal and, and write a report about it. Mm -hmm. As at least, you know, early on, you don't need to, have, there's only so much background you need to have in order to get through a first rehearsal. So there's that. And, you know, obviously I would have access to, you know, preliminary designs and, and all preliminary everything. And so that was a project. And another project is, you know, recreating the rehearsal room. And um, I think the final project was, you know, calling, having to call a piece. Because mm -hmm. I was actually talking to some of the, some of the BFAs here. And that's one thing that they wish they did more in their classes was actually practice calling because you only really spend a class on it. And I feel See, I that's never had a class on it. Yeah, I never I, I didn't get my MFA, but I was never taught how to call a show either. But that's one of the questions I'd ask my crew with a new stage manager is how is the stage manager calling the show? Are they consistent? Are they clear? Are they doing it the same every time? Are they saying go when they're supposed to? Or are they putting go in front of the light cue number? Like that's a big thing in the real world that I feel is not taught or practiced yeah and it's and it's so funny because it seems like such an easy little thing but it's such a big part of the job you know sometimes mm -hmm. it's more big it's bigger than you know having to put together paperwork mm -hmm. <laughs> because you know you're running the entire show so yeah, you can kind of like fake paperwork and if you have a really good crew they can just figure it out even with bad paperwork but if you're calling the show wrong yeah so that's so that would be sort of the final part of the you know project would have to be calling calling a sh calling a section of the show so you know you put together your score you put in your cues you've so you're sort of with the show the entire time and it's it is theoretical to a certain extent but you know with actual examples and you know watching a tech rehearsal and watching a, a final dress rehearsal and and having to call and the fact that 
in opera, you have a whole opening sequence that you don't deal with in musical theater, you know, having to get the conductor yes. to sit and, you know, and tuning mm-hmm. and, and, tuning. Oh. and, and uh, conductor bow and then, you know, conductor light out, you know, to playing level. And then you start the whole opera. I mean, that's yeah, also- there's like 12 cues that you call and you never, I mean, in my experience, you like never really get to practice that because when you're in dress rehearsals or orchestra rehearsals, as soon as they it's time to start, you start. And you don't have that two minutes to like call house to have, house out, maestro go, tuning go, you know, like, so it's just like opening night. You're like, well, I hope I call all these cues correctly because I've never done this one before. Plus, yeah. I feel like you always have to find the maestro. Well, that too. That's a, that's a big like, one. I don't know, when, when we were in Santa Barbara, there was a couple times we were like, where, like, he was just here. Where did he go and find him? Because you can't start without him, but you can't, like, you got to find him somewhere. Yeah. So I think, uh, so that was sort of the basis of this, of the syllabus. And I got, the more that I worked on it, the more excited I actually got about doing it. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, Leslie asked me, well, what do you want to do next semester? And again, because I've sort of been just getting as much as I can while I'm here, because that's what I need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like, well, what do you want to do next semester? Do you want to do this, this, this? I said, no, I think we need to do another independent study because that's how I'm going to get the most out of my time here doing that is getting something else out of this. So we are going to put together, start a book treatment. And, uh, and I said, well, there's no way that I, that can be done in a semester. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, you're pretty talented. You might be able to write a whole book in a semester. <laughs> I mean, maybe because then, you know, again, I, it was something I started getting excited about and I was proctoring a, a, a BA global exam and I already started writing, <laughs> outlining and writing stuff down. So, I mean, maybe. <laughs> when it's all stuff that you do, like this is what you've done for a living. So if you just kind of like, start documenting as you go, you know, yeah, and it helps like, and it kind of helped, you know, doing the syllabus first because I already sort of have an outline and now it's just going right. more in depth. So would you ever, because you're with your syllabus and actually teaching the class, like you said, you would do actual like video recordings and video clips. Would you create a book that has like online content or has like a, a DVD attached to it so that people can actually like, watch videos or watch examples have you thought about that at all because as you said in, in opera especially so much of it is visual or, or audio like would you include that in it or just try to make it all strictly written text I don't know well you know in the syllabus I have because you know sh- I had to put together media and and books that I would use and the because we did it in different rounds or stages and then the end product was putting everything together and i remember the the um document that i gave leslie with all of the books and the media and videos that i would use was about four or five pages long that's awesome and 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 it was i mean coming from you know like books just about the opera canon to you know opera history about like different conductors and different Mm -hmm. types of operas uh, to I found videos of some conductors that I worked with um, you know like actually in the pit because another part of it is you know being able to watch the conductor Mm -hmm. and I remember I did um, Orfei in opera at Opera Grand Rapids and Timothy Nelson was the, he was the director, the conductor, and the scenic designer. 
Oh, this, sounds like when I, this sounds like Andreas sometimes when I work with Andreas. <laughs> and, and we were talking and, and he said, you know, you called a really great show. And I said, you know, part of it is I'm just watching you the entire time. Yeah. And, you know, and that's, that's another big part of it that I think is, I don't know, that sort of puts really good opera stage managers aside from just regular stage managers is being able to now it comes down to being able to multitask and reading the music but also watching watching your conductor because if you you know if you work with a great lighting designer and if you you know if you have a great team everybody everything works together and everything goes off of the music and as mm -hmm. long as you're you're watching the music and you're feeling the music then I mean it's kind of easy I love that you said feeling the music. I, say that I was just going to say There's that. So many people that I've met, they're like, what are you talking about? I was like, you just feel it. I don't know. That I call cues because I can feel what they're doing. It's just, like, and I, you have to, I mean, and stage, ma stage managers are musicians too. And people, that's another thing that people don't realize is, you know, mm -hmm. they, it is, a lot of it is, is feeling the music. It's the only way that it's all going to go together. Um, mm -hmm. Mark, one thing that Mark and I work, we work really well together. And that's his one thing is he's like, you know, you really feel the music because, you know, you can be told, and T says this all the time. He's like, you know, I'll yeah. tell you where to put the cue, but you know, it's you, you know where it's supposed to go. So yeah. it's like, they give you like the basis, like it should happen here or it should happen when this happens. But you know, you're the one who has to call it at the correct spot. Right. Right. Well, at least in, in my experience, and because I do a lot of like non-traditional stuff, but is knowing the music well enough and knowing the conductor well enough, but also knowing what's happening on stage. Because there's mm -hmm. so many designers that I work with where like you have a music cue for a light and then the, your next one is a visual cue and you have to be able to like look back and forth. And it might be a visual on like when Maestro is going to do a downbeat or it might be when so-and-so crosses the stage. So to watch Maestro, but I also spend half of my time, I swear... Watching. Like looking at both monitors, yeah, one at one at whatever where Maestro is up to the left, and then the stage up to the right, and then my book in front of me or across the stage, and then being able to jump back and forth and multitask like that. Um, and those are actually the most fun ones to call because you're just like constantly moving and constantly looking at different things. I will say though, because we've had this discussion on how boring Butterfly is. <laughs> <laughs> I okay, I will say I have been transformed after this summer. I don't mind Butterfly. <laughs> Wait, was this the uh, Opera Columbus butterfly? No, unfortunately, it wasn't. I was supposed to go see it, but I couldn't. No, but uh, we did. It was funny because, you know, I, th I feel like if you look at T's resume, he's probably done every single, like, the top 10 operas at least 10 times each. Yeah, he knows opera, yeah, way better than I'll ever know opera because he knows, like, every opera, and he's done it so many different times, and I'll be like, I don't I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, because, you know, we but... did Butterfly this summer at Brevard, and he lit it, and then two months later, right. he did Butterfly at Columbus. Yeah, he's probably done it multiple times. Well, that's... That's kind of, that's how I met T because when we did, when you Cozy. and I did Bohem together, well, but be, even before Cozy, you and I were talking about Bohem before I even came down to Naples and I knew that you were going to be my ASM and then you talked to T about it and then he had worked on that set before. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. And so he was like telling us about the set and like the good things about the set and the bad things about the set. So like I had met T through you because you would talk to him all the time. And so then you were telling me all about him and, and he used to bring Marley into rehearsal. I think. So I met him that way too. But, <laughs> but yeah, he'd already been on that set before, which was, I think yeah, kind of amazing. Yeah, he just done it in North Carolina. Yeah. 
Okay, so now we need to get T on on his own without the rest of Opera Columbus. Well, I asked him to come in on his own, and then he was like, no, we have to do Opera Columbus first. And I was like, okay. But then you have to come back and talk to us about well, He's doing, you know, he's doing um, Dead Man Walking at Opera Columbus. No, at Delaware. And I think this is his second... It's either his second or his third Dead Man Walking. And then he's doing Scalia Ginsburg, which we did the mm. premiere at Castleton uh, in 2014. Mm-hmm. And so, where's, yes, where's because um, it was at Glimmerglass two years ago. Yes, yes, because Mary Beth was in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember she came up to me. It was we were in rehearsal for Hansel and Gretel, and she said, "So I'm doing this opera this this summer, and I was researching it, and you came up, <laughs> <laughs> and it was videos of me because there was so I have never worked on a piece that had so much press present. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, because I mean, we had I've and you know I've been on TV." You probably could count it on one hand, but that night I was like on CSNBC. Uh, I was like on C-SPAN. I mean, all of these like super whatever news channels because of because of the opera. And we had I remember because uh, we did the Spanish Hour was first, and then we did Scalia mm-hmm. Ginsburg, and the curtain opened and there was a huge round of applause because of the fact that the set was completely different and the entire opera with just people laughing the entire time because it was full of lawyers. We had an audience full of lawyers for this opera. And she was, was like, in the house, right? She was, or- yeah, opening night, she was in the house. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, she comes, she comes up to my hip bone. I had heels on, but she comes up to my <laughs> hip bone. Yeah, that was pretty cool. You know, there's, I, I've met like some pretty cool people and she's one of them. What are, just because you're talking about that, what are what other operas do you, have you enjoyed doing? What are some of your favorites or shows in general? I guess it doesn't even have to be opera, but um, opera. You know what? Hydrogen jukebox. Oh, of course. And I that was another one where I was very skeptical about it, and it was funny because T was work. T and I both did it that year to at this, but set at different companies. Yeah, and his was first. Yes, right? his, yeah. yeah, his was first. His was in. Um, February. I think he was doing it when I was doing Amadeus, because then I came back and did it in the springtime with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really enjoyed doing that one. Um, street That's scene. one that everybody, I feel everybody's like very reluctant about until they actually work on it. And then if you have a good production, it's it's life changing. Yeah, because um, the music's weird. Yeah, because I mean, I've I technically worked on it with Long Beach Opera. But like I do tech, so like I don't really pay attention to the music. And then I went to Tri Cities to see it with Cindy, which was a because Cindy was working on it, but it was a completely different production. But again, I watched it once, so I think you guys working on it involved in the music probably have a different feeling than just. It's it's very different to get to know the music and get to know the poetry and the words and you know to create these characters. I think is. Is... We also, I think we had a really awesome production, though. Yeah, you were at the one in Tri Cities. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that that was because it was so different from the one that I had worked on, but gave it a very different life and kind of a history of the actual author like from the. Yeah, exactly. Whereas the one that we did in Long Beach uh, was in a big warehouse. It had a lot more space. 
um, more minimalistic and all over the place. It didn't have really a cohesive story from start to finish of it. Mm-hmm. And the one in Tri-City had more of a story. I mean, the music didn't change or anything, but the way it was staged and designed had more of a story through it. Well, kind of technically, we did rearrange. <laughs> there were pieces that we did not do at Long Beach Opera, and we did cut some stuff. So it was a little bit different, but... But in general, it wasn't that different. Right, yeah, right. Um, street scene was... I really enjoyed doing street scene. That was two summers ago at Brevard. Right, that's one Matt and I got to go see. Yes, and Marley was the understudy for the dog. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm going to have to post a picture of Marley uh, when we release your podcast, so make sure to give me a good picture for him. because Yeah, no, there's pictures of Marley with, like, headsets on. And- Every, oh, my name's Marley. Yes. Um, the SMA, the, what is it, the Stage Managers Association, they reposted a picture of Marley on their... Did they really? <laughs> That's awesome. Of her, of her with the headset on. Yeah, she's a, she's a very good tech dog. Yeah, T says that too. He'll just like carry her around during focus, like put her in a backpack and carry her around. Yeah. I also did, uh, do you know Grand Hotel? I know the name, but I've never done it or seen it. The I really enjoyed doing um, Grand Hotel and also Sweet Smell of Success, which is um, a Marvin Hamlish piece. I don't know that one either. Huh. Yeah. Um, Sweeney Todd, I've done twice. I really enjoyed, and you know what? A Midsummer Night's Dream, the uh, the Benjamin Britten piece. I've done that. Pe- I've done that twice as well, and I I've learned to. It's a long piece, though. I mean, Midsummer is long in general, and then but, you put it to music, and then you make it an opera, and it's just like, is it better as an opera? Because I feel it's just so overplayed as Shakespeare's work. Like everyone knows Midsummer, and I'm like, oh, that is so not the best one of Shakespeare's work. It, I'm not seeing the opera version. Does it make it? better <laughs> not to be mean um yeah i mean it's a little different than the play obviously but because there were pieces i remember somebody was talking about it and i couldn't remember the play but i i knew the opera <laughs> because it's a little bit out of order and what's interesting about that piece is uh puck is the only character that does not sing he's a speaking role Oh, that is interesting. So how do you cast that in opera? Um, yeah, well, I mean, just like Jukebox, we casted an actor to play the narrator. Yeah, the huh. first time I did it, we cast an actor. And the second time, because it was at Brevard, it was a singer, but it was a singer who had a stronger acting background. Because you do, because you know what? In a way, you still have to be very musically inclined to the piece because the text... Uh, goes so well goes with the music right and and Britain's music is not easy <laughs> to to uh, follow along you know because his music almost like Philip Glass is kind of wacky or can be wacky non-traditional <laughs> non-traditional <laughs> yeah I was talking to someone the other day twin Cindy loves Philip Glass and I know I was just talking to Devin about Philip Glass today and next time he has a, a dance thing coming to uh, American Ballet Theater. We're going to go see it. I do. Have you seen his piece that he did about Gandhi? No. Long Beach. No. L.A. Opera just did it. It was yeah. It was out in L.A. You. It looks you need to stunning. Watch the video. It is so beautiful. 
There are massive puppets that are like 20 feet tall that they have like performance footage of, but also rehearsal room footage of that uh, LA Opera has put on their Instagram and Facebook. And it's, it's gorgeous. Just, I don't, I don't even know what the music, I was so caught up with the design and the tech and all of that. Yeah, it's, I mean, if anything, this, the, the production value of it is, is to die for. It's beautiful. Yeah. Okay. I'll have to look that up. It was here. They did it. Um, it was in New York not that long ago. Yeah, I think it was a co-pro. Mm-hmm. With what? City Opera? No. I don't know. Okay. Twin, we'll get on Instagram more, dude. I, I repost shit about him, and you just don't pay attention. <laughs> this is accurate. Yeah. Very accurate. <laughs> uh, there, it would cut that... For whatever reason, that reminded me of another question that I wanted to ask you. Um, again, just because it's so similar to me, but you have experience as in production management too, because you're now production manager of uh, Theater Zone, even though you're five states away from Theater Zone. So, how were you production manager while you're a stage manager there as well? Yes. Yeah, so I started. Uh, I came on as the production manager there. I don't remember the year. I don't remember years, but I can tell you what show I was working on. <laughs> yeah, it was that's when, how we all work. It was when we did Xanadu, uh, which I think was in 2015. Yes, it was 2015 because uh, Xanadu was a co-pro with Theater Zone and FGCU. And then the following year when they did a VI Sing, I was in Roanoke doing South Pacific. So I was not there. Um. Yeah. And so a lot of it was just, it came down to making sure that everybody got sketched. So it wasn't, it was like a small, it started as a smaller version of production management and then just kept getting bigger Mm -hmm. and bigger. So it was mostly Mm -hmm. just making sure that everybody was where they needed to be and that everybody had dates and calendars and schedules and people were getting their contracts and that contracts were getting back uh, and ordering supplies and all that fun stuff. And so since I've been away at school, um, I have, so I have an on-site assistant, Juliet, who sort of, she's the eyes there. And I'm sort of the distant voice that everybody hears from. (laughs) (laughs) So everybody gets emails from me. I'm a ghost. Everybody gets emails from me, you know, leading up to rehearsal starting. And then Mm -hmm. I'm just not there. <laughs> just disappear. And somebody else takes care of all the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it wouldn't have worked if, if I didn't have Juliet. And and she's she's been such a great help. And, you know, she does any everything that I cannot accomplish from New Jersey in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> so I how was... has it... Okay, Stacey, you can go because I've been asking a lot of questions. That's because I have to put my mic down on the bed to type notes because I'm at my in-law's house. Um, I was just at a uh, theater for art or a high school for arts class a couple days ago talking about being a TD and production manager and all. And some of the students came up with great questions. And one of them was, uh, how much is your job is physical and how much of it is mental? And I said that as a technical director, my job's kind of 50-50. What would you say as a stage manager? Huh. Or even uh, stage manager and production manager. 
Well, I guess it comes down to what company you're working at and the size of everything to how physical it is. I don't know if you yeah. would, Cindy. Um, I, yeah, I would tend to think it would be more, for me at least, a bit more mental than it is physical. Yeah, you know, this like the smaller places that I've been, it's it's a lot, it's more 50-50, but I think a lot of it is, it is mental, but you're also, I feel like as a stage manager, we should also have a degree in like psychology. <laughs> I do. There's a good reason for it. <laughs> <laughs> because a lot of it is mental in that way and, and knowing yeah. Deal with it's knowing how to deal with people really is is what it is you can well, fake that's exactly it. what I was thinking it's like learning to read the room and read individual people or just like the mood of a, a group as a whole or you know if you could start feeling tension between the director and the conductor or the two singers on stage and so that's why I feel like so much of it is mental because I think you could be a great stage manager physically when it comes to like creating awesome paperwork and having you know, the most beautiful looking production book. But if you can't like mentally manage the people and manage the room, then I, I feel like you're not as good as a stage manager. Yeah. What did you say earlier when I was talking to you, Twin? Somebody said you were very artistic at calling. No, my, my uh, pianist yesterday said that he, well, he said that I was very artful in the way that I managed, I called and managed breaks. Because that was pretty much all I was doing on this this reading that I did. And I thought that was so interesting for the pianist to use those terms, you know, that I'm not one of those stage managers that like 90 minutes hits and in exactly that second I call a break. You have to you feel know, the just, room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he was like, you were very artful at the way you call breaks. And I was just like, I really like this terminology. And I think it's awesome that, you know, he said that and he noticed it. And then actually later that evening, a singer came up to me and said the same thing. He was like, thank you so much for letting us go over the like, you know, 75, 90 minute mark because we were trying to finish the show. And we were literally like two pages from the end when it was lunchtime. And I let them go two minutes over and they came up and thanked me for it. And I don't I wouldn't always do that. You know, there's some situations where I totally would have stopped them right on the, the minute. And this was a non-union setting. So it's a little different. But I just thought it was really interesting for them to say a uh, artful in the way that I, I call and manage breaks. So how but do you... I, again, I think that's so mental. Yeah, but how do you learn that? I, I don't have that. I don't have to... Uh, I guess I don't have to. Crews work in a different mindset, I think, than, than performers. And so I guess it's different. I just don't feel like I can read a room quite like Cindy can when she walks in. Is there... What training do you do? Is that just a natural thing you guys pick up by being with these people all the time? I think it is. I mean, that's one of those things that you can't, you can't teach. Um, it's, you know, you sort of just learn with experience and the more that you're in a room and you know what to pay attention to and to pick you up on. You also have to be mindful of it. Like you could stage manage for years, I think, and never learn it. I think you have to be willing to know that you need to learn it and willing to like, take the time in yourself to, to figure it out. Yeah. Try to figure, I think what you said about physical, like large companies versus small companies at Tri-Cities, because it was a small company, I feel like a lot of what we did as stage managers and production manager was very physical because we didn't have, you know, there were, there were no ASMs or, you know, a big props team or anything like that. So it was a lot more physical because we were physically like setting up the rehearsal room 
sweeping the stage, presetting all the props, doing all those physical things that don't happen in that big company. But also having to do all of the mental stuff too. At the same time. Yeah, exactly. Whereas when I'm at, you know, Philadelphia or Portland or anywhere else, like physically, I don't have to do any of that because even at some companies that have, I think uh, Portland did and Cincinnati, where there's crew in the room, I don't even have to like set up a rehearsal room. You know, like you just tell somebody what to do and you watch somebody else do it. So then it's it's a lot more mental. But I think it's kind of why I like small companies, because I like being able to do the physical and the mental at the same time. You know, I've talked to a couple stage managers who say that, you know, they're like, we work, we've worked at the larger companies, but we, we like the the smaller regional stuff because mm-hmm. it feels like you have more a hand in the finished product and you're more involved. Yeah. Whereas, you know, in larger companies where you have all of this excess support and, and crew, you literally just come in to call the show and that's all you do. Yeah, you don't feel as connected to it. And I think that's also why I like doing the experimental stuff and the found spaces, even at the big companies, because then I can be more hands on and I can be there, not necessarily creating, but like helping to create and helping to be more involved in the process. And I just, I enjoy that a lot more. And I had someone ask me the other day, you know, where would you want to work in New York? And before I could even answer, they looked at me and they're like, really, there is no place in, you know, there's no company in New York that you would be a perfect fit for because you want to do all that stuff. And, you know, at the Met, you can't do that. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I would ever work at the Met just because. You would probably never have to get up. Well, you know, I, know, I would be so bored. <laughs> I, you know, I shadowed there last year um, for yeah. Elixir. Yeah. One of the boringest operas to shadow, but. <laughs> Even more boring than Butterfly. Don't say that I'm doing Elixir next month. I, but the thing is, maybe, maybe your Elixir will be different because there's only some, you know, there's really no like scene changes or you know it's just intermission and you do a scene change you know it's not like bohem bohem which was what i wanted to shadow just because from doing bohem i know how crazy bohem can be <laughs> right especially act two yeah um but what was really interesting about shadowing there is so you know every every piece has four stage managers there's the two left and right there's one that calls the show and then there's one that does all the paging. I've heard of companies like that. I've never actually experienced it, but. And then sometimes there's a stage manager, depending on how heavy it is, that's in another room calling all the spot cues. So um, like I, I got to, I sat at the calling station. So I was between the number one, the one and two. So the two is the one that does all the paging and his little paging, their paging area is really cool because they turn on, you know, lights and all of the different dressing rooms. And then people have to, once you hear the page, you have to go in and like press a button to show that you've received the message or somebody in the room heard it. That's really cool. Then, then they can't be like, Oh, I didn't hear you down in the dressing rooms, which I hear yeah, all the time. Because then they know. And then if they don't get a response, response back then they will they will repage um that's awesome it was yeah it was really cool and then the number two is also the one that is writing the report that writes the report or writes all the technical stuff into the report because they can watch more or no because so they're the ones that are keeping all that's keeping all the time so the time of each act the time of the intermission and they're the ones putting all of that into the report and then if there ends up being any um, like technical notes, then they'll get those from the heads at the end and then they'll put that in there. But pretty much the report is done uh, by the time the show comes down. There, The number two is also the one that rings the bell. Hmm. For, As opposed to like house manager. Mm-hmm. 
So, um, yeah, that was, it was really interesting to watch that and, and to sort of see that whole aspect of it. But then because I showed up early, it was funny because it was last, I, I went, um, I think last March, it was March or April. It was after I did Faust at Rutgers <clears throat> and it, cause it was still snowing. And I remember I got down there and I was hungry. So I walked down to the mall and I went to Whole Foods. Yeah, yep, I've been there a number of times. I'm sitting there eating my my wrap, and there were two guys sitting on the other side of the bench, and they said, "Oh, we're going to see Elixir." Oh, did you know that the that the time has changed? It's not it's not an eight o'clock start. It's a seven. It's like a seven o'clock or seven thirty start. So I freaked out because I was supposed to meet them at the stage door, forty five minutes before top of show. <laughs> <laughs> and so I thought I was going to be late. So I literally, sh- I took one bite of my sandwich, shoved it in my bag and ran in the snow, <laughs> got there. And it turns out that they were wrong. <laughs> so I ended up being like an hour and some change early. <laughs> and so the state, the calling, the number one, she was leaving because her, she was getting her daughter something to eat. Her daughter was in the kids chorus. But it was it ended up working out for me because I got there early and I sat down with one of the other stage managers. He was the number like three or four. And we went up to the office and he was showing me some of their books. And we were just talking about and like the rehearsal process and like what that's like. And he said a lot of the times the stage managers don't even show up until right before tech because yeah, they have their ADs there. And yeah. I did. So I've worked with two of the ADs that work there. One of them was at Castleton when I did Don Giovanni. Um, So he's like, yeah, usually we don't show up into the room until after, like right before they go into tech, because the AD is pretty much the stage manager in the room. Right. That does everything, which is so, again, so random to me because I'm so used to being there all the time that I don't know if I would ever get used to like not being there for the staging process. Yeah. I mean, it's almost similar to what subbing would be for stage managers in like theater and and musical theater because you're sort of you're coming in you know either at the end or you're coming in after the production has already been put up and you're learning the show and you have yeah yeah you watch one day you shadow one day you call one day and then you're on your own Mm -hmm. which is that's so interesting uh stacy keeps texting me because we hit our hour mark that Kai even came in to check on our hour mark. <laughs> but uh, I do, we do have one more question before we end, but I also, if, when you when you do write this book, because I do think you're going to write this book, I want to bring you back on the podcast to actually talk more about it because um, I've kind of been talking it up to a whole bunch of people in New York City and um, everybody at Stage Manager Association. So everyone's kind of depending on you to write this book. And Twin <laughs> will help get you paperwork or whatever you need. She's right there yeah, for you. Like no pressure. Um, so we're going to have time so that you could, you could, we could sell this book for you because I think it's going to be awesome. Um, and also, like, I was just reading the syllabus Dan- that Danielle sent me and I was like, oh, I don't know about this. Oh, I, I, I should go to this one class, you know, like the history one or. <laughs> There's an app that she has that you have to download at the end of the semester. And I was like, oh, I don't have that app. I should do that. So, <laughs> Dude, so we're going to put that book with the book that Jen, uh, what's her maiden right. married name? With Jen Sears, uh, yeah, History of Stage Management from 1900 to 1950 or whatever. Yeah, so we're yeah. going to have a whole, 
Melissa Books. We can have a You'll library have, of books. Like a shop. You'll have your own shop on your website. Well, yeah, that in uh, Eric Hart has two books out about props and then Q to Q comics. Yeah, we, we're going to have to start selling all these people's books because we keep buying them for each other. So <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. So we're going to do this with, with your opera stage manager one because we're all excited about it. Um, but our last question is, do you have any twin stories? And I can't even remember now. I don't. Have you ever actually met Stacy? I don't think you have. No, because when she came when she came to see Hydrogen Jukebox, I was gone. Yeah. I know that was so sad. So, do you have any twin stories that like theater related, not theater related, whatever? We just we just like hearing twin stories because we think they're fun. I don't know. I feel like I have a whole bunch of stories with you. <laughs> True. I love uh, stories of Cindy. I don't. There's well, you're gonna go way past your hour mark. <laughs> um i think uh, i don't know i don't even know where to start uh you know what let's talk about bohem uh let's talk about the snow in bohem and how it was snowing in the orchestra pit (laughs) yeah or uh we get hydrogen jukebox how cindy and i oh cindy when we learned how to put a scroller together Yeah, I'm very lucky that oh, Danielle's I mean, married to a lighting designer because... I remember I got a phone everything. call about that. Yeah, like, do they have to be in a certain order? How do we do this? Just yeah, tear it apart. We it, the first time we put it in backwards. The, yeah, we totally did. We were, I was so proud of us for that because we became, like, the lighting crew. And we... Yeah, we you guys did. And focused, like, on our day off. And then Allison was so sweet because she brought us pizza and wine and we nice. ate it uh, we ate it um yeah. box style on the floor in the apartment <laughs> in the theater like yeah there's got to be a picture of it somewhere it was pretty awesome so we just like hung all day long i think sean came in he must have because he won't let us do ladders by ourselves and just like tore down every single light picture and rehung everything and rewired everything and then did or, and then allison brought us food and wine and, we sat there and, and i was i was a board op for for queuing um on that show that was a lot of fun Mm-hmm. and um yeah so that was I mean I had a role joint for that show I you know that's one of my favorite stories I always tell everybody I said hey I know how to first of all I learned I learned all of my weird things that you know you would think I would have actually done in my 20s like working on shows <laughs> working oh, in I, opera <laughs> I, I know opera. more about babies baby strollers um cribs and things like that because i've done a couple shows where they're like well the fancy parents have strollers and then the nannies have strollers and i'm like jesus christ there are so many different kinds of strollers out there with the price range that matches and some are jogging strollers and some are like designer strollers and some have the strollers you like can move the car seat in and out of and I'm like I don't even have a kid and I know a bunch about strollers <laughs> yeah I tell everybody I said I know how to make a really good stage joint that won't smell <laughs> that's it's very very good because well, we went through like four or five different trials of things till we figured it out yeah, until we figured out how well there was the one where we did with all the herbs that smelt almost worse than actual pot but yeah. smoked pretty well but it was the coconut it's if you want a good a good stage joint crushed coconut in rolling yeah. paper because then it didn't it, smell and then they could smoke it and it burnt okay and it gave a really it gave a really good effect nice okay yeah. adding that to notes good job you know what when i did um 
next to normal, I learned how to make an apple bong. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I know how to do that. <laughs> uh, so that was that was fun. That was a fun thing that I learned how to do. Um. <laughs> do you have an apple bong rehearsal? Like we had a um, how to how to smoke a joint rehearsal. How to smoke a joint? No, we didn't. <laughs> I sort of yeah. just made it, and then we gave it to the actor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Working it's, in opera is kind of amazing. Yeah, you learn some you learn some really cool things. I will say. Very true. Okay, well we I guess we should cut it short because we're at an hour. But thank you so much for joining us. I'm so happy we finally got to have you on. Yeah. When I was talking to when I was talking to T about this uh back in October, and he was like, Danielle, we need to get Danielle. I was like, I know, but I want to talk to her about the book. I have to wait. <laughs> and then of course it well, was like I need to go to Palmdale because it's Christmas weekend and trying to figure out like scheduling for that. And Cindy's like, yeah, but I'm going to breakfast with Devin. And then I have to go to dinner <laughs> with a friend. And I'm Everything like, has oh, to stop okay. for that. Well, <laughs> now I have to, cause Cindy, I'll be in and out of the city over the next couple months. So I have to, what are you going to be around? Or are you going off somewhere? I leave January 16th. When do you come back? When are you back at? I'm back on the 1st. Okay, so my birthday, our birthday is January 5th. So, it, which is a Saturday. And I found this great jazz club downtown. But I was actually there a few weeks ago for um another opera event. But I'm thinking of having like a birthday party thingy get together at this jazz club. So, it's on the 5th? Because yeah, I have rehearsal, but I think we finish at 6.30. Oh, great. Great, then come into town. Anybody else listening to this podcast, you are now invited to Twins Birthday Without Me at a jazz club in New York City. Uh-huh. Sure, we it's can post about club it. Club 75. Perfect. Okay. Everyone be there, buy her pizza and margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> they have Pims, actually. They have Pims, so we're good. We're yeah, don't mix her alcohol, though. She's really bad with that. <laughs> just buy one and so, stick with it and because Sundays are days off so I could just stay there yeah we have a couch you want to come sleep on the couch <laughs> and then we'll get you back to New Jersey sometime Sunday as long as I'm back <laughs> for, for Monday rehearsal I'm doing the Puccini double um, Il Tabaro and Johnny Skiki oh that's what you texted me about yeah so wait what are you leaving for all oh, right. Uh, January 16th, I go to Omaha to do Elixir and I'm ASMing and I haven't ASMed in like six years. I'm a little bit nervous about it. But it's um, so, you will be so happy. I was really sad. I just finished my last ASMing of the of the year here. I did a, um, a Playwrights Festival. And what I loved about it is because, you know, I just, I edited the reports. I did this. It was so nice. Right. My last like report gonna... that I edited, I was like, I'm going to have to start writing these again. <laughs> the last time I ASM'd, I like knit so much because I was like, I don't have to get emails like 24-7. I don't have to deal with any of the scheduling. I don't have to do the report. Like I had the best paperwork ever because I would just spend all rehearsal just like updating my paperwork. It was kind of awesome. So I'm kind of looking forward to it. It's going to be in Omaha and I'm going to be freezing my ass off. So I'm just going to be in my hotel room all the time. So, yeah. And it's Elixir and it's a traditional theater. So, I don't know. I'm going to be bored. But, so I'm doing that. And then 
You can like, you know, update things on Facebook and Instagram and No, no, no. we already established that I don't I don't look on on Instagram. Yeah, that's true. It's all I do. Uh And then I have a couple weeks off and then my brother's getting married in March. And so we're going out to California and then I'm doing Hey, mine too. <laughs> so Twin's Twin supposed to be the, the wedding coordinator. Wedding and the week after. But yeah, but then I'm going to Boston to do Handmaid's Tale. So you should come up and see Handmaid's Tale. When is that? The performances, I think, are the first week of May. Oh, I might. Well, so I will have just finished Measure for Measure. And then I graduate on the 16th. I My contract ends the 11th. So I think it's last year we did two two weekends of performances. So it's probably like. Yeah, the first two weekends of May. Oh, and then you can come back to New York, and then you can come watch Danielle graduate. Uh, yes. What T says is we're celebrating you coming back into the real world. <laughs> and we are all going to be so happy when you can come back into the real world. So May 16th? May 16th. Danielle okay, graduate. we'll put it on the calendar. So January 5th is uh, the twins' birthday. May 16th yep. is Danielle's graduation. <laughs> You're all going to be so happy about your graduation. <laughs> so true. Yeah, and then I'm home for a while, and then I do Teatro Nuovo. But then by then, you're at Rivard and then Mexico. I know, because I wanted you to come do Susanna, because you would have actually enjoyed doing that piece. I know. Yeah, true story. Well, we'll find a, we have to find time to work together again. Yeah. We need to go. Oh, yeah. I'm supposed to be leaving in like 15 minutes. Yeah. Okay. You, you've got a dinner well, to go to. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Bye. Thanks, Danielle. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. I'll talk to you guys later. Thank Merry you, Christmas. Danielle. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more, visit our website at twinstocktheater.podbean.com and subscribe on iTunes or Google Play Music. You can also interact with us on Facebook or Instagram at Twinstock Theater. Tato Music, Dance Macop, is provided by Kevin McLeod of IncomTech.com under Creative Commons License 3.0.